Hey everyone, this is Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell, host of our Oklahoma Innovate That podcast. Uh, this is now part two uh, of a two-part uh, podcast uh, that we are doing, talking to three more companies that are part of the Oklahoma Innovation Model. Uh, and we'll go right into it. Jessica, um, who's with, again, the new Product Development Center. Uh, we have Heather here with OCAST uh, and Jenny with the Oklahoma Manufacturing Alliance. Those are the three companies that we're talking to today. Uh, Jessica, uh, do you have an idea of how many products the new Product Development Center has helped with? I mean, is, is there a success rate here? I mean, I, I hear all about, again, great ROI that we have with these companies, but uh, you know, how many, do you have an idea of how many companies you guys have worked with? I think when we had to do a tally of it last year, we were at the 3,000 mark on companies. Now, that doesn't include all the inventors we've worked with. That's just companies that have come to us. Um, and working, you know, 60 to 80 inventors a year, um, I think when I looked at some numbers, we're, we're in the thousands as far as how many products and inventors and companies we've worked with. There's a, I would say, a 10 to 15% success rate, uh, at least on individual inventor products. Obviously, uh, a manufacturer is able to get into new product development and commercialization a little bit easier than an inventor is able to due to funding streams. Um, that's where inventors run into issues. They're able to get to the prototype stage and then they've got to build that capital to actually get to a manufacturer and produce that, that product. Um, and so we often see inventors take a three to five year timeline for product development, whereas a manufacturer can do it sometimes, I mean, six months if they're on a really expedited schedule, um, you know, maybe max two years to, to get something more complex put together. Um, but the success rate can be can be low. I mean, it depends on your market. It depends sure. on the feasibility of producing it. It depends on the complexity of the design and, and prototyping even. So all of those things can, can uh, influence that success rate. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, what, what percentage of manufacturers in Oklahoma are you guys in contact with? So uh, at the Alliance, we cover, we have statewide coverage, all 77 counties. Um, I personally cover five counties uh, here in Northeast Oklahoma, Tulsa, Wagner, Cherokee, Adair, Muskogee yeah. counties. <laughs> There's more of me across the state. Typically, we focus on the small to medium-sized manufacturing companies. We have, for the most impact for them, uh, the larger companies, we absolutely work with them. They're just usually pretty self-sufficient. We, we can uh, help the uh, small shop that the owner is, you know, jumps on the machine if needed and his wife does purchasing slash yeah. HR slash, you sure. know, and so we can offer our, our engineer, we have application engineers on staff that can help them as well as a business assessment to, to help them build a strategic plan and all of that. So, and connect them with training resources, et cetera. So. I would say percentage of manufacturers, we will help all of them in the state. You know, there's over 4,000 in the state. As far as coverage for a year, I think the percentage is 35 to 40%. You know, we'd love to help all of them, yeah. uh, uh, but I'd say it's probably 35 to yeah. 40%. Which is still pretty high. That's, that's, yeah. that's mm -hmm. still pretty high. Um, Heather, again, uh, here with us with, with OCAST. Um, your, your role in the northeast part of the state how does that differ from your counterparts, Oklahoma City and other other areas, or does it at all? And there's some core parts of the job that are very similar to what the staff here in Oklahoma City does. I think the main difference is I'm the sole staff of OCAS in the Northeast region. 
And as you know, Northeast Oklahoma is saturated with manufacturing. And so I have a, a large majority of my clients are probably advanced manufacturing with energy and aerospace probably in the top two. And you mentioned energy, aerospace, some of those other, other industries, which really leads into the next question here. You know, what industries do you all see growing over the next five to 10 years and, and specifically here in Oklahoma? And Heather, we'll just start with you and then kind of go around the table again. Sure. Well, I think um, out of the pandemic, there's going to be yeah. a slight shift. I think you're going to see some reshoring and manufacturing. Manufacturers are upscaling. Um, so I think you're going to see an increase in manufacturing in the state. I think you're going to see an increase in cybersecurity, data software, analytics, logistics, supply chain is going to be huge, and then um, health-related technologies. Okay. So as we've seen the pandemic shift, you know, people are going to telehealth. There's a lot of health-related technologies around that. And um, so I think those are what you'll see. Yeah, yeah. Jenny? Yeah, um, I agree completely. Um, a lot of what we're seeing right now is the technology acceleration, you know, Industry 4.0, cybersecurity, mm -hmm. automation has become a forefront. You know, it's always been needed, but it's become a forefront, especially with the pandemic, the reshoring. But the main main drive, I think, will be the expansion of the supply chain and, uh, you know, the need. It became very apparent how important it was um, through all of this. So, I would say definitely the technology and supply chain areas, including analytics and all of that. Okay. Jessica? I would echo what Heather and Jenny have said. In addition to one thing that we've seen in um, applied research proposals is energy becoming more sustainable in energy, even with oil and gas technologies. Um, that's been a huge thing. Um, you know, fracking and, and being able to recover all of the oil out of a well is still a big thing for Oklahoma. So I think that in addition to everything that, that they mentioned is we'll, we'll continue to see growth. Yeah. Well, and, and I think again, in those areas, we, Oklahoma could be a leader in them. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're nimble. We can, we can move quickly. And again, we have a, I, I think um, a number of companies here that, that can uh, fast track some of those companies. I mean, speaking to the examples that you guys have given, um, talk about the growing role of, of women in manufacturing. Jenny, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you on that. You know, we're hearing a whole lot more about women entering these fields, colleges and, and our career tech system certainly pushing it as well. Talk about that, uh, that growing role of women in manufacturing, but then also what do you, again, over the next five to 10 years, uh, how does Oklahoma kind of take advantage of that? Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's, it's something that I'm passionate about and, uh, the, the growing role of women, not just not only in manufacturing, but in technology in general. Um, you know, I know we did a, uh, event at the beginning of the year before everything shut down in February at NSU. Um, that was a women in STEM event that was a state, it was a Northeast outreach that was widely successful and it was over 300 attendees, uh, half being industry, wow. half being students. And it was kind of the collaboration and uh, personalization of this of industry, and it was it was amazing. They had breakout labs of hands-on experience, and then they got to see some of these women be recognized, get an award for for being uh, outstanding and innovative. So along that lines, and and it was very successful. And we were trying to do it statewide. Everything shut down, but I definitely see the future in that. Um, one thing that we've really been focusing on as well is is building that pipeline of students just career awareness in manufacturing you know we we had an event at, at a broken arrow high school 
at the Freshman Academy, that's over a thousand students that we're just standing in front of talking to saying, what is manufacturing? It's everything you touch. It's your phone. It's your bottle. It's the, you know, it's yeah. your pen. And just getting them talking about it and saying, what makes up manufacturing? It's not just what you think of uh, on a machine. It's supply chain. It's accounting. It's HR. You know, every yeah. bit of that makes up a manufacturing company, all of those careers. Um, and just the starting pay and uh, opportunity to um, upskill yourself and continue education. I think the growing growing role of women, um, there's a lot of women-owned manufacturing companies that are starting to, you know, I know we've talked about organizing different little groups of these women to kind of bounce ideas and mentorships and everything. So I just think it's going to just grow exponentially from here. Um, the opportunity is huge. Good, good, good. It, it, any, Jessica or Heather, any other thoughts on, on the role of women in manufacturing? So I toured my first manufacturing floor in 2007. And I remember, I think there was one woman, it was a, it was a machine shop mm -hmm. and there was one woman who was running some of the, the equipment. And now when you go into some of the manufacturers I've been to, especially in the Northeastern Oklahoma, you'll see a quarter or maybe even half of the staff being women. And I think it's that exposure. Um, I think it's manufacturers realizing they can do some flexible schedule. Some can do some flexible, flexible scheduling, have opportunities for people where women are now considering, oh, I, I could do this. You know, maybe before manufacturing was seen as it's shift work. There's not flexibility for children and other, you know, other life things that, that people want to do. And so um, I, I think that's changing the face of manufacturing as well, in addition to the, all the opportunities and exposure and events that women can attend. I think the only thing I would have is I think it's imperative for early education. Mm -hmm. um, having a diverse workforce makes Oklahoma competitive. So encouraging more women to be a part of these stimulated industries only makes us more competitive as an attraction piece. I had a conversation, Jenny and I were in Tahlequah last week, and we were talking to their new economic developer. And then we had an opportunity to stop by their administration office for Tahlequah Public Schools. And they said, you know, back in the 90s, you started aptitude tests in eighth grade, so you knew what career track to take these students on. And it was either a college prep course or it was a VOTEC course. Mm -hmm. Now we're starting in kindergarten. And we're saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you want to be an astronaut? Do you want to be an airline pilot? And then... Business and industry themselves have an imperative role going and volunteering at these schools. As Jenny was saying, we had the opportunity to speak with over a thousand freshmen at Broken Arrow Freshman Academy and telling these young ladies, you know, I was raised, I'm going to date myself, I was raised in the 80s. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, your job options as a woman were a teacher, a nurse, a hairdresser, yeah. or stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And we weren't told to be an architect yeah. or an engineer or a mm -hmm. doctor or a lawyer. Those weren't given to us. Mm -hmm. And so I think that volunteerism is, is very imperative in helping diversify our workforce. People who are currently in industry that are women-led need to come into those um, elementaries. It starts young and start building those, I guess, courage yeah. to say, I can go into a stimulated and I want to take this track that focuses on this type of curriculum and knowing that it's possible. Yeah. No, that's powerful. Career readiness, awareness, and volunteerism. Uh, those are two. And that could be a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's pretty great. Well, yeah. and to, to your point, it's educating the parents as well yeah. um, yeah. of these opportunities, you know, Absolutely. And especially in the rural communities. Yeah. yeah. And what Jenny didn't say is she's an engineer by trade. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm talking to three, you know, powerful women around the table right now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you guys are, are certainly part of uh, helping spread that uh, message across the state. Um, Jessica, I'll start with you on this, and Jessica and Jenny in particular. Um the benefits of having an organization like OCAST uh, to help businesses. I mean, I, we've spoken around this a little bit again, OCAST kind of being the hub of, of the innovation uh, model. But, you know, what, what are the benefits of having an organization like OCAST um, with, with, the, with the organization that you work at? Oh, my gosh. I don't know that we would have half of the successes that we have with, without OCAST being in the state and, and not just because of financial support, but just because of the connections and the fact that OCAST understands what we do. And so they're really able to, to conduct that evaluation that Heather mentioned uh, to be able to assess where a company is and where they need to go uh, to be able to become more competitive or more innovative or accomplish whatever goals that they have. So, um, you know, we, we would have to work a whole lot harder, I think, at NPDC <laughs> to be able to be as successful as we are and have the impact that we have in the state um, if it weren't, if it weren't, if OCAST didn't exist. So um, I think, I think it's crucial to have OCAST as an organization. And I know other states have looked to, uh, to Oklahoma as a model because they don't have the Oklahoma innovation model. They don't have an OCAST type agency in their state and, and they're, you know, kind of flailing around trying to figure out how to make it all work. So OCAST is very important to to the new product development center. Jenny? Yeah, I agree completely with Jessica. She hit the nail on the head. Um, as far as OCAST with the Manufacturing Alliance, they contract us to do the manufacturing aspect of all of their programs. And so they're a tool in my tool belt, along with networking. It's, it's just another resource. And there are connections to R&D and um, any research or, or higher ed grant writing. There, she, I'm constantly connecting to, to, to OCAS for those things. Um, and I know we as an as a innovation model, we meet on a monthly basis. So we're in constant communication and collaboration to encourage all of, of that. So um, I would say OCAS benefits us. They're also our state funding um, that helps us match our, our federal funding. So that's important for me. Yes, it is. <laughs> we'll keep it up then, Heather. Yeah, I'll try. That's what I can do. Uh, how has COVID affected the prototyping and, and manufacturing sectors in Oklahoma? Jen, I can kind of start with you. It's it's tough to do a, a podcast these days without asking the COVID question. <laughs> Um, but uh, Jenny, we'll start with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's obviously highly affected. On, on there's there's several different ways. There's been a lot of connecting uh, supplier scouting for a full service. So during the beginning of the pandemic, whenever it was like we need ventilators, we need masks, we need hand sanitizer, it focused us. And so we gathered and we we worked very closely with the Oklahoma Department of Commerce and trying to connect these uh, solutions. You know. I, am a, I have a 3D printing company if I can get this design, you know, but I need somebody to make the filter or I need somebody that does the plastics or vice versa. So it was this is really team effort of connecting these manufacturers to come up with a solution. Um, so we actually are working with the Department of Commerce to build a manufacturing portal, um, which is what we've always done, but it's a, it's a place for this and I can't, it's going to be invaluable. Right. I think that that's so important. The COVID has affected the prototyping manufacturing. It's it's accelerated everything and encouraged collaboration within and bringing 
uh, everything back to the state. Time and time again, every week, I I have situations where I'm in a manufacturer and they're saying, well, I'm sending this to be anodized in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, did you know that there's three companies, you know, and we're, we're pulling it back. So it's I think it's just opened that door for that communication of what we've always wanted to do, but maybe didn't take the time to do or whatever. But it's really accelerated that. And I think that it's a very positive situation that we can grow from. Yeah. No, I I mean, I think you nailed it. I mean, taking advantage of a crisis, unfortunately, is is what we can do here when it comes to manufacturing, really any any industry of asking those questions, you know, the reshoring of operations. There's a lot of that going on. People looking at Oklahoma for the first time. But Oklahoma companies talking with other Oklahoma companies uh, so that we're not having to cross invisible lines in other states and doing business. Um, and again, if that fast tracks better collaboration or more collaboration among the innovation pipeline model, even better. Uh, because again, I think we can leapfrog some states uh, because of that. Jessica, anything else to, on, on when it comes to COVID? We were fortunate that the manufacturers and, and clients we were working with through COVID weren't as affected as some of the other sectors um, in the state. One of the things that, that COVID did inspire us to do is um, secure some disaster resiliency and recovery uh, funding from EDA. Mm-hmm. So we do have a program that we're kicking off um, this month that will assist manufacturers with Looking at long-term economic recovery and disaster preparedness, some of the statistics show that something like only half of manufacturers around the nation actually have disaster preparedness plans. So obviously the pandemic and then weather-related disasters take a lot of companies by surprise. So we've assembled a team at OSU, um, as well as with the Mid-America Industrial Park and Prior, to be able to provide some of those uh, technical and training assistance, um, to be able to look at automation, like Jenny mentioned, Industry 4.0 technologies, looking at how those can make safer working environments for, for current COVID issues and maybe future issues that may occur. And then really, really looking at that long term, how do we how do we start up and recover? How do we diversify into new product lines if we need to? If we want to go into health products, how do we do that? So um, OSU and Mid-America Industrial Park will be assisting with that. Um, and it's a two year program. So it'll be a, a nice long program to be able to help out as many companies as possible in the state. That's great. That's, yeah. that's, that's an example of that will be a tool for me to help manufacturers, yeah. you know, working with the NPDC. This is a time that companies, you know, are desperate. There's, we're going to close. The ones that are going to make it through are going to be stronger than ever. I truly believe that. Yep. But you have your your industries that, for whatever reason, are booming right now. You know, whether it be uh, armament, for yeah, instance. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, typically in Oklahoma, especially, we're very oil and gas and aerospace, and those typically fluctuate opposite. opposite. But they all hit at the same time down. Right, right. And so those companies that did diversify into both of those were doubly affected. And so when you have the time, you don't have the money. When you don't have the money, you don't have the time. And But we have really been helping these uh, manufacturing companies focus on, uh, you know, how to improve it while they have the time. Strategy, structure, processes, tools, methods, people, helping them now while they have the time um, and, and covering that because... It's when they come out of this, they're going to be stronger than ever. I agree. agree. Any thoughts, Heather? I mean, I think out of necessity comes change. Yeah. And we were able to see a lot of uh, cross-collaboration across the state. You know, we had a company in in southwestern Oklahoma that reached out and said, I need masks, reusable masks. I have over 300 people on my manufacturing floor. It's not cost-effective to give disposable masks to everybody every day. 
And we were able to partner with Mid-America Industrial Park in Northeast Oklahoma to create the mold. And then Discovery Plastics in Miami was able to provide the plastics. And then we had a company in Claremore that was able to provide the fiber material. And so I think you saw some great cross collaborations across the state. And then are there going to be some negative? I mean, we always don't like to talk about the negative, but yeah, there was some things that halted at the beginning where people had to maybe laboratories were closed, especially you saw that in the university settings. Researchers kind of had to back off a little bit, but now I think we're back in full swing. That's great. That's good. And yeah, we'll, we'll give Dave Stewart a shout out at Mid-American. That's really <laughs> yeah. great guy. Um, how, how do we get uh, a hold of uh, you all? If someone, again, people that are listening to this, what's the best way to get a hold of each each one of you? Uh, we'll just kind of, again, go around the table here. Uh, those that are listening that are looking for assistance. Heather? Sure. You can call my cell phone, which I have all the time, with yep. 918-899-4048. My email is heather.mcdowell at ocast.com. You can also find me on our Ocast website. Brand new website. Brand new website. It's beautiful. <laughs> Jenny. As Heather said, uh, cell phone, 918-671-1815. There's the okalliance.com website with a lot, a lot of resources. Um, and, of course, my email, jenny.cothran at okalliance.com. On the website, um, you can uh, get a hold of our other extension agents as well uh, across the state. So, Jessica? Probably the best way to get a hold of us is through our website. Uh, it's NPDC. Dot okstate.edu and we have a contact form and multiple people check that email so that's the way to get the fastest response. Um, you can also call us our number is 405-744-8398 or you can email us at npdc at okstate.edu. Great. Yeah, you know when we when we have companies giving out cell phone numbers, you know you guys actually <laughs> want to help, you know. Uh, and, and I mean it. I mean uh, I I hope those listening uh, certainly hear the passion in their voices for helping companies here in Oklahoma thrive and, and be able to help uh, hire one more person, two more people, or a thousand more people. Uh, but they really do care. They're extremely qualified and uh, very impressive individuals and companies. And, and those listening uh, that are looking for assistance, listen, call, call us out on it. We, are, we absolutely are here uh, to help. These companies are here to help. That is what the innovation pipeline model uh, was created to do. Uh, was to, to help Oklahoma continue to really thrive and be a better state, a more diverse state, showing that diversity that we already do have in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, we all want to be a top 10 state, and I just do not believe that it will happen without us continuing to highlight uh, and support uh, our Oklahoma innovation model that's going to help companies in the state hire more people, creating more private sector jobs inside the state. So to each and every one of you, thank you for joining us, uh, or the, those that I have around the table here, and thank you for those listening. We will be coming back to you, I'm sure, with a another episode of our Oklahoma Innovate That podcast very soon. Thank you to those listening, and please continue to spread the word as well. Uh, we, we want uh, to see more people listening in uh, so that they know, again, that Oklahoma is here to help and help your business inside the state of Oklahoma. Thank you all so much.